Uncensored. This is episode 110, recorded on Monday, April 26th, 2021. Happy Pink Moon, everybody. And uh, we are your hosts, Bub, Tim, and Jordana. On tonight's episode, we catch up with Alpha Centauri Expeditions and visit an alien world not unlike our own, a world that celebrates ecology and biological diversity. Of course, we are talking about Pandora, the world of Avatar. I'm excited about it, but some real bookkeeping first here. As always, we are sponsored by the fine folks over at Wish Upon Magic, an Etsy experience specializing in stickers, keychains, some Mickey ears, handmade quality home goods, and my favorite thing, those watercolor prints, guys. If you're not on them yet, you got to get on them. They're beautifully well done. Excellent, excellent stuff. They're 8x10, 5x7, beautifully, easily, easily frameable, a lot of fun. And of course, Tim, did you know a purchase, uh, a portion of every purchase does go to the Make-A-Wish Foundation to help spread the magic. And Jordana, just so you know, the next time you buy stickers, if you mention the Disney guys uncensored at checkout in the notes section on Etsy, you could get a magical freebie. So what are you waiting for? Head over to Wish Upon Magic on Etsy, Instagram, and their website. It is your place for fluffy, handmade items. And while you're there, please be sure to give them a follow, where you will find new items every week. And of course, in the spirit of Drew not being here, I'm going to tell you that patreon or something or other go to patreon.com slash disney guys uncensored for all your patreon needs uh all kidding aside we appreciate the support we love the support i would push you all if you are not comfortable supporting us in a fiscal way the best way for you to support us is to go over to your preferred listening platform and leave us a review or a comment so we know you're listening and we know you like the 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 content we're delivering here uh and that's it for bookkeeping let's go over to my favorite the disney news desk thanks bob this week not a ton of news uh number one story has got to be finally after geez uh Four months uh, since the date they said it was reopening, the People Mover slash Tomorrowland Transit Authority finally reopened this weekend. People riding that one of the most relaxing, great 
Walt Disney World experience is, is back and people are super excited. I, for one, am excited. Can't wait to get back down there, get my people mover on. Uh, other than that, uh, the flexible cancellation policy is expiring on its original stated date, May 1st, 2021, which means uh, Disney will go back to its standard cancellation policy. So you can no longer book your Walt Disney World vacations with reckless abandon, uh, knowing that you will be able to get your full amount back whenever you want it up to seven days uh, before your trip. But their regular cancellation policy is pretty generous and flexible, if I don't say so myself. Uh, in that same vein, due to the extremely limited availability of park passes for the foreseeable future, folks, park passes at most parks are booked up through July right now, even with them opening up more and more availability as the days go on. Uh, yeah, Disney is going to start canceling your park passes that no longer have a valid theme park ticket or annual pass associated with them. This affects a very small portion of park passes, but basically if you made a reservation made uh, for the parks and then took advantage of that flexible cancellation policy and canceled that trip or changed that trip, you could still have those park pass dates reserved, just no longer have a, a admission ticket based on those days associated with them. And so basically Disney is now going to do a little computer housekeeping, go through and cancel those. So that will no longer be a valid strategy to hold open park passes while you be indecisive about your trip. Uh, and that is really it for the news. And we're going to roll right on into the conclusion of our Earth Week content as we take you off of Earth to another planet that is a big conservation allegory. And that is Pandora, the world of Avatar in Disney's Animal Kingdom. I want to kick it off with a quote from good, good friend of the Disney guys on Censor. Joe Rohde, retired executive designer and vice president of creative at Walt Disney Imagineering. If you think about the intrinsic value of nature, transformation through adventure and personal call to action, these are the values of Animal Kingdom. But if you say them again, those are the themes of the film Avatar. So Avatar and Animal Kingdom will nest into each other very, very neatly. So that really was a quote Joe Rohde responding to all the people saying, why is this James Cameron blockbuster? What does this have to do with Animal Kingdom? And that was really him laying out his design philosophy as he was the, the lead designer on, on World of Avatar and Animal Kingdom in general and how it fits with Disney's message of conservation and preservation at um, Animal Kingdom. So Pandora World of Avatar is uh, 12 acres. It replaced Camp Mickey Minnie, which was the old kids area in uh, Animal Kingdom. And it cost an estimated $500 million. And it was really was Disney's first crack at a super, super immersive land. Uh, when you say bub. Yeah, absolutely. Tim. I mean, this, this, when they first started this, I mean, you think about camp mini Mickey, it didn't seem huge. It had festival, the lion King, Pocahontas and her forest friends and some character trails. And I, I, something about the size of animal kingdom to me is odd because this park, for as large as it is, in various locations, is very congested. And I always thought that Camp Mini Mickey itself was kind of congested for just walkways and a couple shows. 
And for 12 acres, Tim, it seems surprisingly tight for yeah, the area yeah. they have. I think a lot of that is the layout and the architecture. We'll get into that. Yep. But I think Camp Mickey and Minnie needed to go, even if it was a great kid's land, which it certainly wasn't. No, it was not. for a lot of us park super fans, it represented a broken promise. You know, that was where Beastly Kingdom was supposed to be, the original fantasy-based dragons and demons and gargoyles land in Animal Kingdom that... And Fire Mountain. Do not and, forget and, Fire, and Fire Mountain. Mountain. Like, this was the most anticipated part of Animal Kingdom, and it just literally never came to be. And this really slapdash kids land kind of stood in its place for almost 20 years, which was just kind mm-hmm. of a constant reminder of what could have been. Yep. So I think it was smart of Disney to get rid of that specifically. And, you know, the the Daffy Dino stuff over in Dino Rand really fills the exact same niche. Um, Animal Kingdom is a pretty kid accessible park. You don't need additional kids trails. And I, I don't think Pocahontas Forest Friends was any great loss. Hey, that show was Let's, something it existed okay it did. <laughs> that, that's a perfect way to put it Bob. um but back to what you said about how this was like the first big thing like the first big land that they overdid um you think about what we have now with you know we have pandora we have galaxy's edge we mm-hmm. have toy story land like this was like kind of like the first yep. leading thing right um and i just think that this um, kind of helped set the stage of what Galaxy Edge specifically was going to be based on, like, just overtaking everything. Oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, this was the first place where we saw them, uh, the uniforms that the cast members wear have no Disney branding. Um, This was the first place where we saw the tap styles that did not have the Mickey logo on them. They were made to look like something that Alpha Centauri Expeditions would have installed. And in fact, when you tap them, the ACE logo lights up. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was the first place where you stepped out of Animal Kingdom and into Pandora, the world of Avatar. 100%, this was the beta test for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. I'm sure we're going to see very similar at Avengers Campus. To some extent, Toy Story Land is a, a different way of doing the same idea i i wouldn't say quite as immersive as this but this certainly was uh the precursor to these types of immersive lands and you know what i don't think it's that high of a take as big of a star wars fan as i am i think in a lot of ways this pulls it off better because i could go on wikipedia or look at the visual dictionaries out of my bookshelf and find out every little minute detail about star Wars, which makes it so much easier to see where they couldn't pull it off in galaxy's edge where, you know, the, the illusion is thinned out. And here you, you don't have that with avatar. You don't have the, the massive 50 years of cultural cachet attached to this movie. So it, it's way easier to get lost in it. And, and the biggest thing that makes it easier to get lost in it is the centerpiece of this land the floating mountains like this has to be Walt Disney World, Disneyland, amazing, amazing, constantly good use of force perspective. It's how the mountains look big. It's how the castles look big. It's how Main Street gets to be three stories tall. But with the floating mountains, it's a whole other level. Like the the visual trickery, the fact you can walk under and around them and the illusion holds up is just 
astounding. And if you haven't seen the episode of Imagineering Story where they really go into the construction of uh, Pandora, 100% worth it. Uh, even if you don't care about Imagineering that much, watch that episode just so you can see what went into this because they're really a modern marvel. Um, and then on top of that, uh, they designed all this flora and fauna to like make it feel alien but grounded uh combining jungle plants with these you know animatronic plants and light up things and then all throughout there there's music and soundscapes piped in over hidden speakers so that you you get the quote-unquote nature sounds of pandora to really fully pull you in and then of course most people's favorite thing about pandora is the bioluminescence at night everything glows even the cracks in the sidewalk and the rocks and you know the plants and everything it's a whole different experience at night i personally think pandora at night is pretty overrated um because you really lose the the depth on the mountains the floating mountains and the vine you don't see the vines anymore and the illusion kind of breaks but uh i know bub you're a big fan of uh oh, pandora at night well first of all i'm gonna run it back about three minutes here and tell you that i agree with jordana 100 percent when you can compare what they do in Toy Story Land to Pandora. I, I think it, it may, it's, a, it's a smaller scale, but the whole idea of immersion and the footprints and you're in Andy's backyard, it, it's it's identical in terms of its goal. I, I don't know if it pulls it off as well, Tim. Maybe that's, w- that's where what we I say. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we don't have we don't have the immersion like the cast members are wearing Hollywood Studios uniforms. Right. You know, there's right. still tap styles that look like tap styles. They're not yeah. fully immersed. No, the tap styles are built in, like, with toys and stuff. I mean, I again, if you go back a few episodes during, what was that, sometime last summer, I think we did, me and you kind of collaborated on a, a Toy Story Land yeah. episode. And it was funny because I'm probably the least likely supporter of Toy Story Land on this podcast in terms of how much I wanted more from that. Um, I will tell you I suffer from that with Pandora as well. I want more of it. I don't know what we would do. Both the attractions are great, but I just dig the reclaimed vibe of this land. That this land, in essence, is one of the moons of Pandora. It was part of the film series, but these events that you're kind of latching onto in this theme park attraction is a generation after the film. That Alpha Centauri, like Tim had mentioned kind of welcomes you onto the moon, whatever. And, and, and the, Tim, you're right. I love it at night. I do. I, but I think it is both beautiful at night and during the day. I think you really, to fully get the full scope of the land, uh, I love the natural lighting, even though you know, don't know where you're going at night in this area, because it's not there's not a ton of traditional theme park lighting in this in this part of the park i go as far as say there's none uh once you cross the bridge from discovery island or the long uh decking walkway from africa i love the yeah that walkway is awesome that back door is sneaky man it it's one of the coolest transitions in all of disney theme parks because you start when you walk past the lion king theater you are just on a standard plum standard wooden deck going along the water the the light fixtures are normal. The vegetation is normal Florida vegetation. And they almost do like what I can only describe as a gradient mm-hmm. as you like work your way up. You don't even notice it. But as you're going down there, the plants on the, the side that doesn't have water are changing. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, the light posts are getting more sci-fi and then more organic into mm-hmm. the like 
bioluminescent plants that yeah. replace the lights in Pandora. So that's that's a really cool, as you put it, back door into Pandora. Yeah. Um, and, and what you're touching on, to, to really get this immersion working, um, there is a whole backstory to Pandora, which basically after the events of the Avatar film, and I'll be really interested now that we're going to have the sequels are supposedly going to be coming out next year. Yeah, Tim, allegedly those films are coming out next year. I mean, we play a game on this podcast, Jordana and Tim. What comes first, Avatar 2 or Space 220? That's always our barometer on this show. I'm telling you, I think Avatar 2 comes first. I'm with you. I agree with that one. <laughs> I, I really have to hope it's Space 220. I think, isn't Avatar 2 holiday 22? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. December 2022. That's... Can you imagine if Space 220 isn't open by then? That that would be a four-year delay from yeah, we, the original yeah, announced opening. 20. But, Tim, you're absolutely right. This walkway is fantastic. The backstory is great. Like you said, it takes place about a generation after the first movie. So it does raise the questions timeline-wise if the land will still – I mean, I'm sure it will. I, I don't imagine. I mean, I think at this point, James Cameron is so conscientious about continuity yeah. in his film series that, if anything – it is going to force his hand in how he writes the sequel since the sequels are taking place a generation after. And so what the story is, is is a generation after the events of the movie, obviously spoilers for Avatar. If you haven't seen it, you should. It's on Disney Plus. Fantastic film. Um, The good guys win. And uh, the Navi, with the help of Jake, uh, you know, famous film protagonist, Jake. uh, Jake Sully. Jake Sully. Jake Sully. Yeah. Uh, get uh, get control of their planet back from the the people who are trying to do extractive capitalism to it, and uh, so this is a new uh, expedition to their homeland that is much more in line with the values of the Navi and and mutual respect, and not you know just trying to strip mine their planet for unobtainium. Uh, but the the cool thing is is what all the structures and, and things we find in pandora are reclaimed structures from the first expedition by the the bad people trying to do mining with all these really really cool and unique touches of navi culture and how over 40 or 50 years they have repurposed these structures to fit their sensibilities um so we get to see tons of um not only decay and reclamation by nature, which is just absolutely beautifully done with these effects where this stuff does look old despite only being less than way less than 10 years old. But you also get to see how these angular concrete and rebar buildings have now got Navi weavings and canopies made out of branches, uh, you know, worked into their structures. Yeah, just overall a, a visually stunning effect once you get past that floating mountain range and mm. all the, the alien uh, flora and fauna, that, that the little details were not left, uh, you know, mm. unturned. I think one of my favorite things about this, and Jordan, I think you kind of being a park nut too, and Tim, obviously, you, you kind of loving the details. I think this is one of the first major things. In fact, Animal Kingdom itself is one of the first major things that I remember seeing being built. And that accounts for Animal Kingdom. It accounts for Everest when Everest was being built. And then when they were putting this up, I was down there before the 
hoping to get Avatar open. I mean, they took a while to get this right. And I think the attention to detail shows that, Tim, like you said. And, and Jordan, I, I would love as a as as our resident parks geek and 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 our our booker of trips over at travelmation.net that's jordana Izzo at travelmation.net for all of you noobs listening at home she is earmarked platinum status and uh recently i think uh the dean's list or something in terms of executive top producer, uh top producer. yeah, Thank you, yeah top <laughs> dean's list top producer <laughs> it's all the same <laughs> damn thing but uh You've been very busy, but what do you tell people that haven't been, that haven't seen Pandora yet? I mean, it's 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 something, and and the both of you have the ability to compare it to Galaxy's Edge. I know Andrew and myself have not been down to Galaxy's Edge yet, and Tim, I I'm absolutely stunned that you said the attention to detail, maybe not greater than, but at least equal to, and in some spots definitely more pulled off than what you got in Galaxy's Edge. Obviously, being the Star Wars fan, Jordan, do you tell people this is as good as Galaxy's Edge? Yeah, I I do actually. I think because it's just like I said, it's it was the first of its kind. Um, but with, uh, I, I usually give clients, I, I give a must watch list. Like, all right, if you really want to pay attention to detail, you need to see like. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to Universal, you need to see Harry Potter. If you're going to, <laughs> you know, if you're going to Hollywood Studios, you probably should watch some Star Wars movies, stuff yeah. like that. And one of them I always say is in Animal Kingdom, there yeah. is this whole Pandora land. You need to see Avatar to experience yeah. all of it. Yeah, that's fair. Now, Tim, we know we touched on it, but man, and I know good friend of the show, uh, Greg Cook, the maker of all of our logos, really good friend of the show. He loves this soundtrack, Tim. Loves the area music yeah. in Pandora. Uh, I have the I have the quote unquote album, if that's even what the kids are calling them these days. I don't know, but I have it on my playlist, and I listen to it. And I got to tell you, I get down. I get down with some of these jams, yeah. Tim. I am. This is one of the awesome, awesome, awesome music. Uh, the music they composed for this land actually has won awards similar to the music they composed for Galaxy's mm-hmm. Edge, and Disney did. Listen to the fans. Actually, I don't know if it's Dizzy because I believe Universal Music, the record label, actually owns the distribution rights to the Pandora soundtrack from Disney, which is interesting. That sounds right. That but sounds um, right. it is available on your Apple Music's, on your Spotify's. It's on YouTube, officially mm-hmm. released on YouTube. Uh, so check this out. Super, super, super accessible. I mean, if, if you have access to YouTube, you can listen to this whole soundtrack. Totally worth it. Uh, I know for me personally, and we've talked about it before when we've talked about this ride, the Navi River Journey music is a jam that got me through a lot of work from home, putting that on the background so I could focus and do could some be. programming stuff. Are we willing to call it Drew's favorite ride in the parks? I mean, since he's not on the show, we certainly can. Yes, I definitely. Mean, Andrew's ride, I it's automatically this, favorite. This smells like a segue to me. Because yeah. now we get to now we get to rip on Drew for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> what is his deal with boat rats? I, I think it's a character at this point. I think uh, I think yeah. he's playing it up for the camera, so to speak. But speaking of boat rides, Jordana, yeah. uh, as someone who who's trying to sell vacations and sell people on going to Animal Kingdom, because I do hear still that this park is if you can only do X number of parks, that this is the one you're supposed to skip, which I, I vehemently I, disagree with. No, I can't. That blows my mind. It blows yeah. my mind that people still consider this a skippable park. I just can't. I can't handle. Uh, I I think 
it's the second least skippable park now that Hollywood Studios is complete. But if Hollywood Studios was not full of shiny new things, I think this for a long time was my least skippable park. But what I was getting at prefer skip it, which is funny that you say that I prefer skipping Hollywood Studios right now because there's no shows or anything. And like, especially for families who can't go like you, your kids can't go on rock and roller coaster and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, this is a, it's a tough sell, but this is why she is our resident vacation. expert. So how about about you take us through some of the, uh, or some through the, uh, attractions at Pandora, Jordana. Yeah. So, I mean, first up, we already touched on it. The boat ride, uh, Navi river journey. It's a dark ride, um, but it goes dark ride. <laughs> it's still the fluorescent lighting, like Avatar at night. Or, uh, like, and mm-hmm. it's got a lot of 3D holograms, a lot of animatronics, one of the best animatronics out there, uh, the Shaman of Songs, who is mm-hmm. very, very human-like and... Mm-hmm. Um, one of the coolest things that Disney has ever done. Super fluid, super fluid. I mean, when you think about animatronics, you think, you know, classics, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, some of the stuff (laughs) over at uh, Splash Mountain. And again, obviously excluding the stuff at Galaxy's Edge with Kylo Ren and and Hondo Anaka, which are clearly top of the line. This Shaman of Songs is one of the most fluid impressive and, and i think what's great about this one jordana is you literally are with like in, within three feet of it from the rise i mean she's literally right there and she's living breathing she's huge she definitely yeah. plays that massive that yep. like type of alien like you know mm-hmm. what you think you don't it's human like but it's alien like it's completely correct different. well because like, the navi are nine and a half feet tall Right, exactly. And she definitely has that size. She's not standing up; she's sitting down. But oh, what a! I we could do an episode, I think, on Just the animatronic her. alone. To be honest right. with you, and what went into it and everything. And yep. you know, like when I think it was a. Uh, maybe it was like a couple months ago when she went down like, and they just kind of put a sheet over her. Yeah. That's the whole ride. Right. <laughs> like that is right. the whole ride. Um, That's the big payoff. You're right. That's exactly. the big payoff of the. And I think that, um, you know, it, it definitely made us miss something. Like, we, it, it's missing something. The ride's very short. That Do not true. wait in this for this queue over, like, 30 minutes. Because this ride is so short, you'll end up being so disappointed. I remember when um, Pandora first opened, there was, like, a three-hour wait for this ride. Mm-hmm. And people were like... That's it. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't really do great with the hourly capacity run through. That yeah. is a true story. No. I think what you run into here, though, is one of the things that Disney did when they built this is they kind of used the utilities, one set of utilities for the for the two buildings. And technically, that equates to Flight of Passage and Navi River Journey sharing a building, quote unquote. It's a massive building, but they are sharing a building. And I think what Disney did here, and it's fair because Flight of Passage to me is one of, one of, if not the best ride on property. It is definitely a top three or four ride for me. And it, it's, it's tough because when you read up on what Pandora could have been and specifically what the Navi River journey was going to be, this was clearly the halfway point of this attraction. This was the first half of your journey 
there was going to be maybe one or two drops similar to like we earlier said in pirates very similar to pirates when you go down the waterfall into the cove and you were going to actually end up at the tree of souls from the film which was going to be the big payoff for you uh, and you were going to witness some traditional navi ceremonies and, and and things like that i'm going to tell you something right now if they had added the extra minute and a half or, or two minutes, whatever, so this would have been, instead of the 98-second ride it is, it would have been closer to four minutes. This ride would be on par for me with Splash Mountain. It, it Just based on how this ride is currently, if you double that with a bigger payoff scene, and, I, and I'm thinking probably something similar to the ferry boat scene in Splash Mountain... I, I, this would be an incre- This would be an e-ticket ride too, without the thrill effect. I mean, this would be a landmark attraction. So not to de- not to derail, but I, do you think that that eventually, if that had happened, would flip and then become the quote unquote main ride? Because I agree that uh, Flight of Passage is a top three theme park ride, probably in the world. But because it is still fundamentally a quote-unquote screen ride, we are going to get to a point where it feels like Star Tours when whatever technology advances to that point, it's going to feel dated. That's a good point. You bite your tongue. Star Tours is a great ride. Oh, no, it is. I agree. But (laughs) I think we can all say like Star Tours is, is fundamentally the technology. We have technology in our homes that's more advanced than that. So eventually the same thing is going to happen with Flight of Passage, whereas the originally planned version of Navi River Journey, there is something that is timeless about slow, dark rides that Correct. use practical effects. And, and you're not wrong. You're not the wrong. Shaman of Str- Songs is unequivocally the most advanced animatronic. Well, I, I was about to say in any theme park in the world, but I don't think that's true anymore now that Beauty and the Beast is open in Tokyo. Beauty and the Beast is now open, and I, I, I know that you know some of the Star Wars stuff is pretty no, cool. It, it is not still, nearly as advanced. Yeah, but right. Right. Honda Onaka in the queue for um, Millennium Falcon is still not as advanced as Shamna Song. Right, it, I agree with that. So but I'll tell you guys. So, so right now we're we're gonna get a little ahead of ourselves into next week a little bit. But Jordan, I mean, if this ride ever got expanded, I mean. Uh, Tim asked the question: Is it the is it the can't miss attraction of the of this corner of the park if this ride is four minutes long as opposed to the ninety eight seconds? I think so because it's a family ride. Yep. You know, people go, people are gravitating towards it anyway because you can bring you know any size, any age on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think it'll just you know it'll make it more worth it if that makes sense. Yeah, um, more bang for your buck. Absolutely, right, exactly. Mm-hmm. I totally yeah. I, I think the other thing is flight of passage. Um, they're you know old people, very young people, uh, yep. very heavy people. There's a that ride is. Um, I don't. I'm looking for the words. Uh, sneakily, uh, un um accessible not for all. Yeah, inclusive. not inclusive for for a wider group of people than mm-hmm. most Disney attractions. You right. know. Yep. Uh, it, it's very similar to like a, a suspended roller coaster in the limitations that it imposes on its riders. And Disney is not 
does not typically do that. I mean, they literally do not have any rides that have those style of cars. Well, well let's even uh, look at the two cousins of this attraction, Tim, in terms of Soren and Mission Space, which are probably cousins or, or relatives of this technology in Flight of Passage. They have significantly less restrictions on those two attractions, and those two attractions have some limitations that you're talking about. And Flight of Passage trumps both of them with the limitations it has, or it imposes on itself at this point, because right. no one's really imposing it on them. It's the design of the attraction. And I think the payoff is worth it. I mean, we'll get to right, it in it a is. second. Yep. Um, w- w- there's a reason why the ride vehicle is designed the way it does, so that it can do what it can do, but it, it is more restrictive than your average Disney ride. Um, yeah, no, absolutely, Tim. I, I don't disagree with you. And, and Tim, to, I, I want to ask you the question then. You brought it up. You think if we get the if we ever got the extended cut of this, this is the main event in in Pandora? Absolutely. I mean, I I am not as down on this ride as most people. I love uh, this Drew ride. specifically. You're not as but, down on it as Drew is. But that's not it. Drew's opinion is not an unpopular opinion. No, There's nothing groundbreaking about being a Disney parks fan and kind of a cynical person who knows the ins and outs of the park, that it is not a common uncommon thing to say, now your inner journey sucks. And then explain all the things we just said to people. Oh, it was supposed to be this. And it was supposed to have this budget. And if you just appreciate Navi river journey for what it is, yes, the length could be a little bit like too short. It is awesome. The, the the integration of practical effects in the screens, the yep. fact that they don't really shoehorn a story into it, that it is just a boat ride through this mm-hmm. amazing environment that has been pulled from the outside to the inside of this ride building, and it just further immerses you into the land. I, I love everything about this mm-hmm. ride, even though it isn't, quote unquote, everything it could have been. I mean, that's right. that's how I feel about it. And, I, and part of that does come from Rachel and I's first trip was down together was, I think, not too long after um, Pandora opened. And that was when if you were not on there at 630 in the morning, finger on the trigger for your flight of passage fast pass, you just weren't getting it. Mm -hmm. And so we took River Journey instead and, you know, had to wait in line for flight of passage. So that was my first, you know, experience with pandora and the ride so it left a depression on me but i still think it there is value in this ride i agree with jordana you probably don't want to wait much more than 30 minutes for it and you're gonna wait more than 30 minutes for it a lot of time because it's riders per hour as you pointed out isn't great but if you could swing it and as long as your expectations are managed this is a great ride yeah i don't disagree with you i i love it you know what it's, it's ironic is my my eight-year-old who was six the last time we went he loves this ride loves it loves the whole like and you said it you would not one you would consider narratively speaking a coherent thought for a six-year-old let's be honest he doesn't there's no a b c story structure it's literally very open-ended very esoteric in a way that it's a river cruise through the jungle of Pandora. There's but it's no, not a river. Yeah, it's not jungle cruise. There's nobody yeah. guiding you. No, you right. Are, it's just floating on a boat down a river. You're in a reed canoe and that's it, man. It's just, 
and it's something wholly simplistic and wholesome about this. And, and I and I love the attraction. I wish we could talk more about it, but Jordana, there's a heavy hitter that we said that we said shares a building with Navi River Journey. Yes, so this is uh, Flight of Passage, which is a big one. Uh, we touched on it a little bit, um, and I mean, it's not quite as bad as Star Tours yet. Um, oh, I think we're it, years so, from that point. I was just no, saying, theoretically, they, we're going to get to that point, mm-hmm. just because that's how technology works. When did Star Tours open? 1989 in Disneyland, I think. If it opened with the studios, it opened in 89. It It did open with... Oh, so the 87 in Disneyland. So it might have opened a year or two before that in Disneyland. Yeah. So let's say... Okay, so let's say we're, what, 30... Well, you want to go back further. When did Body Wars open? Because that Body Wars was kind of the cousin of that concept right. too so body but technology over... advances faster all i was trying to say is like we're already at you know right. 4k and when this ride was built the video i believe is 16k or 20k but people didn't even have every household didn't have an hd television so we're, we're going to get to the facility and the immersiveness of, that this accomplishes sooner rather than later but anyway great ride let's get to it I do love this ride. <laughs> yes. So, so it's much. pretty much a ride. It's a 3D flying um, simulator attraction that's set in Avatar Universe. So you're pretty much, you are on a Banshee. You're flying, like, it's literally the Banshee that you're on, like, the, the ride, like, vibrates. It's very, very cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it breathes. It breathes. Yeah. Yes. It sorry, breathes. This is this is what I was alluding to earlier about how this ride is not as inclusive <laughs> as most Disney rides. You sit on what is basically a, a motorcycle. If you're used yeah. to like yep. uh, uh, the way the riding position you take on a street style motorcycle rather than like a Harley Cruiser, you, right. you yep. sit in that position on on this thing and then stirrups close on your legs and a pad comes up from the back and closes against your back and pushes you forward against the center post of the ride and what this does is let it very gently push you and squeeze you while you're in the motion simulator to simulate things like that you're riding on a banshee and the banshee is under you breathing and you feel it breathing you feel its wings flapping you feel when it stops the whole thing. So in addition to the regular motion simulator movement, which on this ride is much more, it moves more in relation to the film than a star tour, a body wars, yeah. a Falcon smugglers run a mission space because the way it works is you are on these rows of these motorcycle assemblies. And then that row lifts up and juts forward into the domed screen that is like the Soren screen. So it's just like that ride position of Soren where you're inside the screen basically, but that gives this ride so much room to move. So the motion simulator movements are so much more uh, exaggerated than they are on a traditional enclosed motion simulator ride. And it just makes for an incredibly immersive experience, not to mention the fact that it has water effects and smells just like uh, Soren, except because you're on this individual mm-hmm. motorcycle, those effects are basically being blasted directly into your face. So those are also at like a different level of intensity. This is 
such an immersive ride for exactly. what, in the end of the day, is a screen ride. Yeah. And Jordana, I think you, you have, made you a good point because you kind of. What'd you say, bro? Go ahead. Go ahead, Jordana. Go ahead. No, like I was just saying that you kind of made a good point that they kind of took the best of a bunch of rides and they put it into this ride, like the screen from Soarin' or like, you know, how it's like a multi, not a multi-purpose, but there's multiple parts to the storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, Smuggler's Run or whatever. So it's just, it, it, you kind of took what was working and you put it into this ride, I think. Yeah. Now, I mean, do you guys this- have favorite scenes from this film? Because, Tim, you hit something here that I definitely want to talk about. But do you have a favorite scene, either one of you? Is there a scene that stands out to you that you say, boom, that's the money shot? I got to be honest. I haven't seen the movie in like two years. No, no, no. In, in the On the ride, though. Uh, have... In the ride. Um, yeah. I think like when, when the smell, like when you're going through and like that smell hits you, mm-hmm. like because that's kind of like the first like, whoo, like you got yeah. all your senses working for you. That's mine. Um. I, mine is easy. It, it's after the first big action sequence, or no, maybe it's the second big. But when you land in the cave, mm-hmm. and it so accurately makes that feeling of of motion, and then stopping and coming mm-hmm. to rest, and then there's this certain smell that it, it, it sends in your face. This very calming floral smell, and then the the flying jellyfish come and light and then touch the bioluminescent plankton and that whole cavern lights up and it's just so beautiful every time it makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up that scene and then a close second is after that scene when you are start flying real low over the navi who are riding on the like navi wildebeest Mm -hmm. and you could smell the dirt and then you go up and you get to see the whale for the second time from afar and actually see its whole body. Both those scenes just literally right now, like I could give mm-hmm. me chills. Like it, it just so immersive. How about you? What are your, what are your, yeah, scenes? no, my, mine's gotta be at, at any point when you are flying on the coastline in the beach area. I just love the, the mist of the water coming up. I just something about cheap water tricks in any ride. Get me and the time. way that the banshee always gets like close to the water, yeah, like, yeah. No, I totally understand what you're saying. Yep. But guys, let's be honest. This ride, as great as it is, the queue is no joke either. And we've talked about. It. I don't want to go in depth with the queue. The queue is made to hold like four hours worth of lines, so it's immersive as hell. If you've seen the movie, you go through the lab area. It's crazy. It's so detailed. Everything about this, I didn't really miss a trick. From the moment you step in the queue till the moment you're walking down those godforsaken stairs after going on the attraction to the backside of the gift shop, it's just a money attraction beginning to end. And it could be, honestly, it could be a two and a half hour experience for you. Yeah. And I will say I've done the queue once and Mm -hmm. it is not, it's not um, Rise of the Resistance where the attraction starts the moment you enter the queue. And that's not like, some marketing speak like that is an important part of the attraction, Correct. but it is a beautiful and it visually interesting cue. It is certainly the first cue that Imagineering really took into account. People are going to be waiting for hours and hours and hours, and we need to make it feel worthwhile and interesting and keep people engaged. This is the first cue I think where they really had a bunch of like the drinking fountains and water bottle filling stations inside the queue. 
uh, bathroom. There's bathroom a bathroom in the queue. Uh, the queue changes distinct scenery and scenes uh, four times, I think. There's the outdoors. There's the Navi caves with the weavings and the cave paintings. There's the outside of the old expedition buildings with like the camo netting and the bioluminescence. Um, and then there's the tunnels. Oh, there's five. And then there's the lab. And the lab is truly impressive. Like, especially if you could go now where there's um, the capacity restrictions are still somewhat in effect and there's no fast pass, you'll be able to kind of cruise through this queue because this ride is a people eater of all people eaters. Uh, it, it puts massive numbers of people through per hour. So um, it, it, they really crank up through even now. And I will the... say like. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I, I I will say like on the opposite end of where if you rope drop this and there is no one in line, you're literally like taking 15 minutes just to walk through the queue to get to the ride. It, it could be a five minute wait, but you're taking it takes a while to walk through everything. Oh, yeah, I, I believe this queue is almost it's close to a half mile, right, Bob? If yeah. not more. Yeah, I, I had I had this pulled up. But yeah, it, this is the 15 minutes is is not an underestimate of what it takes to do all the switchbacks. But it's worth it even just for the lab where they have a full size Navi animatronic in the tube and right. they have all the 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 banshee skulls and bones and the experiments in the central place. It's really worth seeing even if you only do it once. I did it once and then you just fast pass it the rest of the time or rush through it. Um, other than that. You know, standard big ticket ride stuff, Jordana. You know, they worked with uh, Walt Disney, worked with James Cameron's company. Um, and uh, also with uh, Weta Digital, which is um, Peter Jackson's uh, digital effects shop. Uh, and they did uh, used assets from the film. So the the, the, the ride film is, is, is screen accurate. Um, Right. Yeah. All the footage is actually original. Um, mm-hmm. But so the footage is original to the ride. There's nothing reused to the movie, right. but the mm-hmm. assets are the same digital assets that were used in the movie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think this is an amazing ride. Totally worth it. 100 percent must ride every single trip for me. Uh, I don't know if this is a hot take, but for me personally, I think I said this on the show before. If you take out the cues and the pre-shows from riding resistance and you just go ride for ride like what not to spoil it but what the main ride of ride as resistance is compared to this this is a significantly better ride oh. so based on that comparison for me if, if that's the fair way to judge it this is the best ride on walt disney world property right now to me that's that's a hot take but i don't think it's a hot take it's one of the best. I will say it's top five. Not not like probably top three, but it's. <laughs> I'm not even sure it's the best ride in this park. Interesting. Really? Yeah. You, you're an Everest guy, though, right? Everest and the Safari. safari. I love See, both I don't of those care, I really don't consider the Safari a ride, but that's like another. Like an experience. That's another, that's another podcast episode. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Good point. Yeah, but I, for. And again, which goes back to our previous conversation about how somebody thinks this is a skippable park. I have no idea. Yes. Yeah. No. I love uh, this park. 
Flight I do of love Passage Everest. You're right. Certainly I not that. a skippable ride. No. All right. There's and then a few things there that are skippable. Let's be honest. In Animal Kingdom as a whole, there isn't much that is skippable when you're there. No. Are you guys on the dinosaur skipper ride side of things? I have been in my last couple trips. Well, I wouldn't. I don't. You have an excuse. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I skip dinosaur. I've seen it enough where if I don't go on it, it's not the end of the world for me. That's kind of where but I'm if, at. But if you've never been and you think, oh, it's Animal Kingdom, it's a zoo, oh, I don't need to go there, you're out of your mind. Yeah. Uh, anyway. And for the record, we are a yeah, big, di- big dinosaur household. I, I think the people who are like, oh, it's just, it's so rough and I can't do it and blah, blah, blah. No, it's great. Do it. Yeah. Dinosaur's great. I mean, Even though the animatronics are in like Z, Z mode, yeah. they barely move. It's still worth it. I mean, I don't know that I'm fast passing dinosaur, but I, I certainly, yeah, I, I personally need to go on dinosaur. Oh, on it's fast pass four or five because it's yeah. just so easy to get those three o'clock in the afternoon fast yeah. pass if you use right. your first three. Yeah. Uh, Jordan, so, there's a couple other things yeah. other than these two rides that are, you know, show up on your park map as attractions and entertainment when you click on yeah. uh, Pandora. So we have the um, the drum ceremony. This and what what would that what what would that be called? The what drum ceremony? Oh geez, you're gonna make me say it, aren't you? Swatu Waiganavi drum ceremony. Did I do it right? You did better than I have no idea. I, I I don't I don't speak Mandarin or Navi, so uh, I just was trying to to make okay. you read the. You just wanted me to say it, so okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm certainly um, not going to. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know if you need to, if you want to try to say it yourself, you can look it up. Um, so oh, it's a I'll, daily... I'll get to that when we talk about merchandise. There's another way you can learn Navi. There we go. Um, so... I can check. I can run downstairs right now and see if I have the card that says that. <laughs> All right. Spoilers. Let's let's finish up with the attractions that we can get the dining and shopping pub. <laughs> um so it's an outdoor drum circle performance um that's held at the valley of moara meant to recreate a traditional navi drum ceremony i don't think this is happening right now am i correct Uh, you're correct but the drums are there and they are still on so these drums are like big electronic drums that look like giant navi size like traditional african drums but they're also built into the land so, yeah, you can go and jam out on those all day long. Unfortunately, it's not happening. Hopefully it'll be happening soon since the agreement with equity was reached way back in the summer. And they've brought back some of the entertainment uh, in some of the parks. But I imagine this one's not high priority because this one people aren't lying up for the Swutu Waya Navi drum ceremony. There you go. Oh, you did look at him. Oh, I, I figured I got to try it. Yeah. It'll just right. make me and make fool of myself first. If you get a chance to see it, it is a fun little show if they are doing it when you're there. It's a Yo, decent kids little get, kids get hyped on this yeah. one. I'm definitely gonna have to like go watch a YouTube on this. Um I think Sal would love it. Probably, definitely. Yeah. Um and then Pandora utility suite. So, so that is I, I've never seen this one either. The street the giant mech this? suit, it's the pretty giant cool. Mech? It's a That's real pretty mech. cool too. Oh, okay. That's what this is. Okay, so it's it's like this giant like creature thing, kind of like I don't know, like a it's a robot suit. It's a man in a yeah. robot suit walking around. Yeah, very similar. Robot suit. Very similar to the film. Okay, yeah. It's, but the so bad that, guy. 
I, I would say it's more of like a walking around character than yeah. an entertainment thing, than like a it's show. Sphere character. It's similar to like the citizens yeah. of uh, the citizens of Sunset over if, at the studios. If, if the citizens of Hollywood were wearing a twelve foot powered armor with a chainsaw arm, correct? Yes. And at Christmas, they yep. put Christmas lights and a Santa hat on it. Which rules. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. I didn't know that. Uh, um, and yes, that's our attractions. Yeah. And with the, I mean, the utility suit, this is also unfortunately not around right now for obvious reasons. Right. And unlike the regular suit characters, you can't just put your 12 foot suit behind a fence and have it wave at people because it it doesn't work that way. There is a stationary uh, version of one of these suits that's outside uh, Pangu Pangu that's always there. So you can still see what it looks like. But I, it's hard to overstate as a giant dork for robots how cool an actual mech suit is uh, walking around. Definitely. Um, but speaking of Pangu Pangu, that brings us to... Uh, the dining and shopping experiences you'll find here on the moon of Pandora. Uh, so Pangu Pangu is, according to the Disney website, I've never heard of it, is technically the Pangu Pangu lounge, but it's it's not a lounge. There's no seating. It's it's yeah. it's sounds a stand. Made sounds uh, made up, Tim. Well, if you Google <laughs> it, uh, go.disneyworld.com will tell you it's the Pangu Pangu lounge. This is um, oh, the stand it's in the center back of um of the land actually right in front of uh satuli canteen the the main quick service uh this serves breakfast which i did not know it's very standard quick service breakfast um and i think that's only because satuli canteen doesn't serve breakfast yeah. So this is their like mandated so breakfast option. What happened when they opened the land? They didn't realize that people wanted food. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I guess I, I'm not yeah. sure. I've I've never seen it, but regardless, other than that, um, this is mostly for for drinks. Uh, they have the the most famous drink is the Night Blossom, which is a non-alcoholic slushy drink that's layers of apple slush. And prickly pear limeade. The apple slush is green. The limeade is purple. And it's topped with passion fruit boba. And you can get it with a glow cube inside this, like, blue silicon, like, hairy, organic looking. It's one of the cooler looking novelty glow cubes on property. I keep hairy things out of my drink. Yeah. that. Generally is uh, it generally is considered preferable. And then other than that, this, this is where you can get your alcohol at in Pandora. They have this the Moara High Country, Country Ale, which is a pretty bog standard red ale. And then they have the Hawks Grog Ale, which is an ale with apricot and peach infusion uh, with like a spicy hop. And this one is dyed bright green. So uh, if you didn't get your fix of green beer one day a year at St. Patrick's Day and your your local you know, drinking establishment. You can get it 365 days a year here, and, it, and it's a lot better than, you know, Green Budweiser. Um, they also have the Rum Blossom, which is just a Night Blossom with Bacardi Superior. This is the same rum they mix in with the Dole Whip. Uh, I'm a big fan of this. And then this is my fiance Rachel's favorite, which is the Moara Margarita. And that's uh, Sueza Reserve Tequila, Blue Curacao, Lime Juice, and... Uh, passion fruit syrup with passion fruit 
boba balls. And uh, this is also, this is a pretty good drink also. Yeah, one of the best margaritas on property. Yeah, this, this, this is a, a must get for Rachel. One time she had one, she was almost done with it, and then she dropped it. It almost fell on a baby. And the, I'm only telling this story because when she hears the podcast tomorrow, she's going to get oh, really mad. <laughs> Rachel, uh, um, next time we meet up in Disney, we're going to go have one of these margaritas together. Be careful. And Tim's not, but just, he just told that story on the well, podcast. I'm just be saying. Care, be careful because you're going to have a baby and she might drop a frozen that is true. We'll, on your we'll baby. Leave the boys at home, all right? <laughs> so anyway, that's Pongu Pongu. Uh, oh, sorry. They also have, duh, they have the, the signature snack of the land is also here, which is the Pongu uh, mm-hmm. Pineapple Lumpia. And this is kind of the first thing that introduces the, the really unique food program they have in Pandora. This is... Um, a lumpia, which is a Filipino spring roll. It's the real thin egg roll style wrapper. And it's filled with uh, sweetened cream cheese and pineapple. And this is super unique to the land. So, so good. Um, they come in and, and order as two of them. It's, it's a good thing to split. But this is, is taking these Asian and South American influence flavors. And you see this influence also in the drinks and presenting this fusion food in this environment as something alien, but with familiar flavors. Uh, you know, nobody is going to get turned off by cheesecake filling and pineapple. I mean, everything is pineapple at Disney World, but it's presented in this unique way of being served as an egg roll. Have, have you guys had this before? I've had the colossal pretzel. It was very good. Okay, See, I, I was like, skipping over the pretzel. Us, like, me and Bub have a very similar palate where we're like, okay, having chicken fingers every day. Um, I perfectly like, fine. The colossal pretzel, I feel, was similar to the breakfast, the concession to people with, um, like us. Say you and Bub's palate yeah. being in this land and looking at the next menu we're going to go over at Satuli Cantina. Uh, or so, I'm sorry, Satuli Canteen. The cantina's over in uh, Hollywood mm-hmm. Studios at Star Wars Land. Now, this is consistently, people always say this is the, the highest rated quick service on property. This is one of the favorite quick service. Did a little research. Um, touringplans.com, if you're familiar with this website, it's a very data-driven vacation planning site. Um, based on 500,000 responses uh, to their, their vacation planning app from people who use it, 98% of people view Satuli Cantina Canteen favorably. So mm-hmm. this like this is the most critically acclaimed quick service on property. I personally, this is the only quick service that I eat at every single trip without fail. And I would be upset if I missed it. Um, so first off, biggest plus to this, Animal Kingdom, notoriously hot, notoriously hard to find shade notoriously hard to get out of the rain well this place solves most of those it is indoor dining room seats 330 outdoor dining room seats has 190 the outdoor seating is completely covered has fans indoor seating air conditioned and they are cranking it yeah that is cranking air conditioning cranking and uh it's obviously a newer quick service so like the seating is nice you know, a lot of like benches, the chairs are like adequately sized. The tables are big and nicely spaced out. It has metal silverware. People bust your trays. So all the stuff you kind of come to expect at the newer quick services that aren't called Woody's Lunchbox. 
um, here. And it is, I think this is the only big quick service in Animal Kingdom that has significant indoor air conditioned seating because the gotcha. market in Africa is all outdoor. Flame Tree seating. Barbecue is all outside. Yep. And so is Yak and Yeti uh, quick service is all outside under awning. Yeah. So this is the only game in town if you want to eat in air conditioning. Uh, the quote unquote problem with this one comes uh, when we get to the menu for people who have, um, let's say, less adventurous palates. So the menu is pretty simple, actually. They have two things. Cheeseburger bao buns, or sorry, cheeseburger steamed pods, as they call them. And what they are is a bao bun, which is a, a Chinese-style bun. And traditionally, it's filled with uh, roast barbecue pork. In this case, it's filled with ground beef, American cheese, ketchup, mustard, and relish. And I have obviously never had one of these as a vegetarian. Um, Rachel enjoys them. I've been on trips that other people have had them. Allegedly, it tastes exactly like a Big Mac. And I think this is another awesome thing they've done where the presentation, it, a lot of Americans are not used to what a steamed bun looks like. So it's the, it, it's presented as this pod off some kind of a tree or something. But the, the wrapper to a bao bun is functionally Wonder Bread that instead of being baked in a loaf is shaped into a ball around a filling and, and cooked in uh, a steamer. But this could not be less offensive. In fact, this is the kids menu item also. So you're taking this very traditional cheeseburger flavor and presenting it in a, a very exotic way. And if, if neither of you not adventurous people haven't had this, I, I do recommend having this if, if you're a cheeseburger fan. I have heard multiple times that this is one of the better quick service cheeseburgers on property. This comes served with house-made kettle chips and uh, rainbow slaw. And we'll, we'll hear more about that rainbow slaw in a second because the rest of the menu is protein bowls um, that you customize yourself. So the bowls all come topped with that rainbow slaw and which is just a standard Asian style slaw, red cabbage, carrots, um, I think some like sliced up broccoli and um, maybe some red onion in there with a vinegar based dressing and plain boba balls, which don't taste like anything. But you have like weird translucent uh, orbs on top of your meal, um, which certainly adds to the otherworldly appearance of it. Uh, and from there, you pick your protein, which is chicken, uh, which is wood grilled in the restaurant. The restaurant always smells great because of this. Uh, a thinly sliced beef, uh, chili garlic shrimp, or crispy tofu. And this is, for me, the big draw of this place. Uh, I know I've said it before on the show a couple of times. No, no one is doing um, plant-based stuff with the variety and availability uh, on vacation as Disney World is, which is one of the big reasons that I choose to spend my vacation dollars there as someone who's been a vegetarian their entire adult life. But their vegetarian food is heavily, heavily, heavily focused on meat analogs, fake meat. There were early adopters of Beyond, Impossible, the Garden Chicken. Um, they've had their veggie burgers for years have not been like a black bean burger. It's, it's trying to simulate meat. And that's not a lot of what I eat at home. I eat a lot of tofu and beans and these sorts of more natural vegetarian proteins. So this is literally the only quick service on property that has a tofu dish. Otherwise, it's only the table services that have tofu. So I like this to get 
a less processed um, meal. And, and that's why they went with tofu, because all the stuff in these bowls are not like processed. They're very natural and healthy. And this is also probably the healthiest quick service and property. So anyway, you pick your protein, uh, then you pick your base, uh, which is noodles. This is like a real standard lo mein, like you would get at like a any Chinese restaurant. A salad, uh, which is romaine and some mixed greens, um, lightly dressed in uh, like a vinaigrette. Uh, brown and white rice with uh, some black beads or a potato hash, which is red skated potatoes and sweet potatoes, kind of cubed up, little like quarter inch cubes with um, some red bell pepper and onions. And then you choose your sauce. The sauces are a charred onion chimichurri sauce, a black bean vinaigrette, or a creamy herb dressing. Creamy herb dressing is basically like a garlic ranch. Uh, and then it's served to you as the base, your protein of choice, with the sauce over top. And then that slaw and the boba in like this really cool um, like pottery bowl that, that Disney had purpose built for this restaurant. Um, the portions are huge. The prices are pretty reasonable when it comes for park quick service. And it's like fresh not processed food it's not a cheeseburger it's not chicken tenders it's not you know buffalo tots hating on us but i feel i feel half a million survey responses 98 percent view this restaurant favorably i will tell you this as a gentleman that does not eat here that gets the pretzel outside um, I will tell you that the sense of the sense alone are worth it because food smells don't bother me. It's the weirdest thing in the world. I love the smell of it. I will tell you that the aromas coming out of the kitchen in this place are off the hook. It smells delicious. In there. It's because they have that giant charcoal grill. They're just grilling yeah. chicken all day on nuts. all this marinated chicken. Yeah, it's. I will say that overall, though. Can we just can we just agree that Animal Kingdom does a great job on uh, quick service? Yes. Just not being like that. You know what I mean? Like just overall, not even just with Pandora, but Flame Tree Barbecue is my go to. Like oh. that's where we go every time. Oh, yeah. I mean, other than Restaurantosaurus, which is like the we need a traditional Disney quick service that serves the same burger and the same fries we serve everywhere else. Right. All of them right. hit it out of the park. Animal no, Kingdom Dino is... Land in general, you're right, Tim. Even Pizzafari over that way is pretty garbage pizza. Oh, I forgot about yeah. Pizzafari. Yeah, so those, yeah. there are two really Yeah, there bad, are two. But you, but nobody goes to them. So that's the other thing. No. Unlike the other parks, when at lunchtime, if you need to grab a bite, you can hit up Pizzafari or Restaurantosaurus because there's never going to be a line there. Yeah, Animal Kingdom is the only park where I consistently never worry about having an ADR for lunch or dinner because the quick services, I just usually want to eat at more than one of them in a day. You could Tiffin's and Yak and Yeti's dining room, though. You can do some damage at this place. Yeah. And if you take the bus ride over to Animal Kingdom Lodge, that's a whole other show. That's the best dining on property. Yep. Um, I don't think Drew believes on that either. I don't think he gets it. I think he 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 fights on it every time. I know. I don't think. Hey, I, well, that's another show. We're not going to get into <laughs> Drew, Drew's preferences <laughs> and also Animal Kingdom Lodge dining. Uh, well, yeah. we will definitely be doing an Animal Kingdom Lodge show, and uh, there's yeah. a lot to talk about there. Uh, just to finish out this Tuli Cantina menu, Brent they says. have um, 
their drinks are actually exactly the same as Pongu Pongu. Plus, they have a selection of some other microbrew beers and two house wines. They got a little creative in the naming. It's the Banshee uh, Pinot Noir and the Banshee Chardonnay. I feel like they were so close, they couldn't have done a different name for the white wine. They went they out on a limb Banshee, with those, Banshee. They went out on a limb with those. Let's be I, I see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, and then for dessert, we have the Blueberry Cream Cheese Moose Dome with passion fruit curd. This is just a cheesecake shaped like a dome coated with like shiny blue fondant and um, has like a, a passion fruit jam on it. It's very good. It looks very otherworldly. Um, it also looks very fancy for a quick servicer. And then the other one is a chocolate cake dome. Um, and that has a crunchy cookie layer in the middle and uh, banana cream on the top. This is one that I will never touch because I find banana flavored things other than the Ohana bread pudding abhorrent. Uh, so I, I don't know if this is good or that bad. That is deep right there. That is that is Tim's water ride, Jordan. Yeah. Banana flavoring is Tim's oh, water. Oh, yeah, no. Bananas in general, not <laughs> a banana guy. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, no, but yeah, I, don't, so, I don't disagree with you. I will tell you from a guy that doesn't eat at this place, will tell you, I highly recommend it myself. And I will tell you, having this conversation, I need to go back to Pandora. It's I, I love this area of the park. I really, really do. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, if anybody doesn't have anything else on the food, I, I think the food is great here. I think it is interesting. This is another place where we see the DNA that has spread to... Toy Story Land and Galaxy's Edge, where there is not a table service, where mm -hmm. we just have small, um, small, like, like bistro-y bistro places type thing. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I just meant like a, like a small stand and then a large quick service. Yeah. Which there's more that, money in quick service, Tim. I think so because you could just turn over super rapidly. Yeah. Turn them and burn I them. I think over. Overall, I, I think this is just the direction we're going to see where you, it's an elevated quick service. It serves food that's a little bit better in a little bit bigger portions and a little bit more expensive than, you know, Friar's Nook. But it also has a full alcohol menu and they bust your table, but you don't need an ADR and you could seat 330 people inside and 190 people outside, which is a heck of a lot more people than you'll get at, you know, three or four seatings at dinner and three seatings at lunch at a, at a table service, even if your average check is, you know, half the size. Deep cut here. Do you guys know Drew's favorite Adele song? No. No, I have no idea. It is turning tables. <laughs> I don't, I don't know any Adele songs that are not like the radio ones. I will tell you deep cut. And I hope he's listening tonight or tomorrow morning. And he, he messages me about it, but we once went I'm to a fuck up here and he was very upset. That they weren't, they weren't turning tables fast enough for Drew's liking. So he was very <laughs> upset. Oh, going to turn tables in this place. Huh? And at that point, I, I every time I think of Drew or we talk about a restaurant turning tables or turning people around, uh, <laughs> I immediately tell everybody that Drew's favorite Adele song is, in That's fact, awesome. turning tables. I but love it, that. It's, it's fantastic. If we're going to knock Rachel for her... For her throwing dropping a margarita her at a baby. No. The term we're, we're gonna... looking for, Bob, is throwing a margarita at a baby. And yeah. I hope you're listening, <laughs> Rachel, because I'll so hear she... about that. 
tomorrow. She pretty much Naomi Campbell, that baby. It's, oh yes, basically. Now, now you're going to be on the bad list. Uh, so one place where uh, where Pandora uh, varies from uh, Galaxy's Edge quite a bit is in merchandising. Uh, save an overarching philosophy of extremely immersive merchandise options, except instead of having mostly stores take up all the land, uh, Pandora only has one gift shop. It's a big gift shop, but it's tucked all the way in the back. You're actually never forced to go through it, despite it being at the exit of uh, Flight of Passage. You have to actually walk across like a little threshold, though, to go into it. You could just exit the ride. So they are not forcing you through it. But I would recommend going through it. Um, this is another place where you super, super could see that DNA that continued to the other immersive lands where uh, all the merchandise is continues the immersion. Uh, you're going to see your standard stuff, T-shirts, ears, um, swords, dress up accessories, keychains, pins, uh, stickers, magnets, all that stuff. Except just like with Galaxy's Edge, none of this stuff says uh, Pandora World of Avatar or Disney's Animal Kingdom or has a Mickey with, you know, hanging out with a Navi or Jake Sully. Um, it is all says, you know, Alpha Centauri Expeditions, Pandora, I visited Pandora. You are getting souvenirs from the moon of Pandora, not from Pandora at Disney's Animal Kingdom. There is a little bit of that merch, but you have to go back to the gift shops on Discovery Island to find that. Nothing sold in this land breaks the immersion, um, which is very much the blueprint of how it works at Galaxy's Edge. And 100%, this was the trial balloon for how merchandising was going to be done at Galaxy's Edge. Uh, and just like Galaxy's Edge... Uh, we do have our signature high-end um, merch options. The most uh, famous one, of course, is the Banshee that rides on your shoulder. Uh, it, it's held uh, in place by some strong magnets, correct, Bub? Yeah, if, well, if you get the perch, you can strap the perch to yourself, and okay. that's got little magnet pieces on it, little little yeah. guys there. And then... I, I do Meg tells me no every time. One day I will come home you, with a banshee. Now, Tim, I know I know you're a big like character warehouse person. Do yeah, you remember yeah. when they put the warehouse and they were going for like ten bucks a piece? I saw them for seventeen, but I heard they did go down to nine ninety five. I was gonna I was gonna bring that up at the end. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I have heard that they still do uh, that. I guess that's what we're gonna talk about. So the banshee, it's magnets to your shoulders. It's probably like fifteen inches long. And uh, you run this black cable what the hell down I would to your. Do with it though. You. you could, that, well, <laughs> you is also <laughs> buying the perch that sits on the table so yeah. you can display it. But you, so you run this cable down to your hand, and then there's like a little, almost like a pistol grip with four buttons on it. And one of you pull the trigger, and its head goes, you know, side to side. One of them flaps its wings. One of them nods the head up and down. It's like it's a puppet, basically. It, it, it's it's. And it's all analog. There's no batteries in it or anything. There's all sorts of colors. You get them in the area of the shop. It's like a wall of like woven sticks. It's like a banshee rookery to adopt yeah, yeah, the a banshee, banshee rookery. Adopt a rook. Uh, adopt a banshee. Uh, and there's backstories too. Like yeah, yeah. There's a cast them. member yeah. there who gives you the backstories. And these things are like right around fifty bucks with no accessories. And then by the time you get the branch, 
to, uh, you know, put it on so you can put it someplace once it's in your house. You're looking at seventy five hundred bucks. As Jordana alluded to, if you can get out of property and get to the Vineland premium outlets or the land Orlando premium outlets, it go to the character warehouse. These things, they rotate the colors through on the Banshees and the less popular colors end up at the character warehouse. As I said, I've seen them for like 17 bucks. I have heard they get down to 12 bucks and they are very often, um, they very often end up there. Now, right now, from what I've heard with COVID protocols, getting into the character warehouse is a nightmare and there is a virtual queue that is like eight hours long. So uh, right now is not the time to try to get to the character warehouse because all the people in the virtual queue, if you allow me to rant a little bit, are all these people who run these like personal shopping services on Facebook or Orlando locals and travel agents and stuff. And you basically like pay them a flat fee or 10% of what the purchase prices they buy you. And they like go and they're like, all right, today they have a legacy lightsabers, you know, Darth Maul and red banshees and the t-shirts from this festival that never happened. And then they, it's a racket right now. So yeah. hopefully we'll get back to normal because character warehouse rules. It's totally worth taking an Uber and going over there because you could get your souvenirs uh, and some really neat souvenirs that were, were sold as limited edition merch for, you know, pennies on the dollar. But that's either here or there. So uh, if you don't want to adopt the Banshee, the other marquee thing, uh, you know, the droid to the Banshee's lightsaber, if I don't say so myself, is the Avatar Maker. I can't believe this is still around. I've literally never seen anybody doing one of these. Um, Basically, you... This is definitely for the kids. You go in a tube. We've talked about this on Best Gift Shops. They scan your face, and then basically they use um, a combination of... I don't even think they use, like, 3D printing technology to do it. It's more a generic... um, blank and then they basically use like a a a lot of action figures use this technology i use face printing basically they paint your avatarized face onto the avatar doll the problem is it's like a barbie doll size doll or like a old school gi joe and 75 bucks and that's just the basic avatar with the loincloth and like a spear and a backpack and then if you want to buy clothes for it you're looking at like 150 bucks when you're all said and done to have your avatar made and the whole point i get it it's very thematic like that's the whole point of avatar is like inhabiting a navi's body but they're also the whole thing was they were giant and this is a doll so like why is your avatar 14 inches tall instead of 20 feet tall i don't know i can't believe this has held up that long I imagine it must be either they have a surplus of these dolls and they still are trying to get rid of them all years later, or this doesn't cost anything for them to keep this around in the gift shop on the off chance somebody actually wants to buy one of these things. I think it's that one. I think it's just they just have these, and if someone buys one, they screwed someone else. It's great. They've scammed another one, you know? Um, Yeah, so other than that, um, as I said, they have ears there. They are not Mickey ears. They are not goofy ears. They're not Donald ears. They are Navi ears. Uh, these are super popular. I see these all over the place now. They also sell Navi tails, which is kind of creepy. These tails are for kids because if you've seen the movie, um, 
The tales are used for uh, love and affection among the Navi, we should say. So uh, that's kind of weird. That, that's that's the direction they went in, selling the tales. And then a variety of you know postcards, posters, mugs, and pins, as I said, but all in the vein of these are your souvenirs from the the uh, the uh, your trip to the moon of Pandora. So I'm trying to get out. And this is the the gift shop is easily the best example of the architecture where the gift shop was a military building that has been overtaken by nature. The moss on the wall that you see when you exit uh, Flight of Passage before you enter the gift shop is an awesome example of the weathering. The back wall that is also the back wall of the land itself in that courtyard area right outside Flight of Passage is, is awesome. So this this is definitely the best example of that like reclaimed architecture that they went for um, in that back area where like Satuli Cantina is very much like a Navi building, but this and Pangu Pangu are like the built the military buildings, the Navi and the good humans reclaimed. Oh, and one other thing they sell here that's like kind of a flagship thing that we alluded to earlier is Navi, like many other famous sci-fi languages uh, throughout history, is a fully realized language that James Cameron, either himself or with the help of others, made up. And in this gift shop, they sell a Navi translator. And from there, you can buy packs of cards that you then insert into the translator to learn different Navi phrases. And theoretically, if you buy enough cards, you could teach yourself to speak Navi with this translator. And I have definitely heard from people who have bought this thing before kind of as because it's just such a novel thing to own that while you are in Pandora, all the employees are have to learn at least basic um, Navi. And you can like take your Navi translator, learn some basic Navi phrases or use the translator to speak those phrases to the cast members and they will respond back to you in um, in Navi. So that's kind of like a neat thing. I think that even though like the Banshee is the big uh, Pandora souvenir and supposedly so is the Avatar maker, I think the Navi translator is definitely the coolest thing that they sell at this um, at this. I gift think shop. the more underrated one than anything. The, yeah, I, like I think I, I, I would I mean, the Banshees are very cool, but I think that this is way cooler. Yeah, about sure. For sure. I, it sounds like Bub actually has one, which is- I do. I, I no surprise. No, no surprise there. It's actually uh, it belongs to my children, not me. Sure. Just so we're clear. Just so we're clear. Quotations in there. So that kind of wraps up what I have on um, on Pandora. I guess. Uh, to what are your final thoughts on, on the land as, as we've taken our journey through the land of Pandora, Jordana? I mean, as someone, and this is kind of the same thing with Galaxy's Edge, as someone who's not super, super into it, I think it's totally awesome. And I think that it's something that you don't have to watch the movie and know every detail to enjoy it and enjoy the rides um, and enjoy the food. And I just think that how they overtook everything is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I mean, I think you just hit it on the head. 
these lands, and I'm very interested to see what happens with Avengers Campus in two months. Disney does this so well where, yes, there is a huge group of people who love Star Wars. There is a huge group of people who love Marvel. There was a huge group of people who loved Avatar. I mean, it still is the highest grossing film of all time. Right. Um, but these are they there's a bigger group of people of any of these given things who have no idea or don't care about it. So Disney needs to make these in such a way that they are still immersive and interesting and cool and worthwhile for people who are not already fans of the subject matter. And I think with Avatar, most of all, which is their first attempt at that, they hit a home run on that. Yeah, well, definitely. Yeah, I, I just want people to have fun when they go to this part of the park. Because that's what you have to do. This it's such a fun corner of the park to twelve acres, but it uh, it's so fun to go to this portion of the park. It really, really is. I, I don't have many complaints about this part of Animal Kingdom at all. And honestly, I and to to borrow a a a whatever these kids are saying these days, I'm an Animal Kingdom stand man. So I I just I'm here for it. I'm here for Avatar. Uh, the movie is fine. It is what it is. I, I enjoy the movie, and I'm okay saying that. And I think this does a great job of allowing you to, having seen the movie, it allows you to kind of immerse yourself further into the world of Pandora. And if you've never seen the movie, you can go to this land not having seen the movie and still enjoy yourself. And I think that is the greatest trick of all that they pulled off. Yeah. And, and I'll just say to relate it back to our kind of our theme, I think despite this being entirely artificial environment, it does a great job to tell a conservation story and a story about the importance of the natural order and existing with our planet and not against it by being able to exist completely as allegory. When you're waiting to check out at Satuli Canteen, there's all these black and white photos on the wall. And if you look at them, they're actually photos of the construction of the land with Joe Rohde and Josh DeMauro and um, Bob Chapek and Bob Iger and all these people. But what they've done is they've gone ahead and photoshopped in Navi mm-hmm. and uh, the doctor... From the ride, Dr. Ogden or Dr. Augustine. This is the biggest misstep in this land. The original created character for Flight of Passage is either Dr. Ogden or Dr. Augustine. And the other one of those two extremely similar names is a character in the film Avatar who is not related to or the same thing. That was a misstep there. But anyway, they have all these photos in the queue of the creation of this land with Navi added and all of a sudden even the construction of this land in Orlando, Florida in the 2000s on Earth is now an immersive part of the story because apparently Joe Rohde and Josh DeMauro were, you know, on the moon of Pandora breaking ground and cutting ribbons with big scissors with, you know, 15 foot tall blue tailed aliens uh, and giant flying dragons um but yeah the i, I banshees, think banshees tim banshees yeah they're, kind of, they're like a big dragon 
But anyway, like, I, I think he got his ass kicked in that monster battle. Yeah, I mean, he was he was never going to win against no. multiple kaiju's or monsters from mythology. Yes. Um, well, I think that's it then, here, boys and yeah. girls. I think that's going to wrap up episode 110 of the Disney Guys Uncensored. We thank you for listening. We thank you for taking this Earth Week journey with us. We'll get back to our regularly scheduled programming next week. And I think the last thing I want to leave you with is please remember to spay or neuter your banshee. After careful consideration, I've decided not to endorse your park. Thank <laughs> you.